and to those of you who are listening to this message on uh, LifeGate Outreach TV, our YouTube channel, or the podcasts uh, that we have on iTunes or Buzzsprouts, I want to say you are very, very welcome, and we are glad that you are able to hear us through these forums. May God continue to bless you right where you are. Thank you for the testimonies that you send in from time to time, the text messages, the inbox, and everything you send. We are truly grateful because we are encouraged because you make us know that um, you are being blessed by these messages, and we pray that God will continue to do just that in your lives as well, in Jesus' name. We have been on a series on uh, Empowered to be Witnesses by Divine Help. Empowered to be Witnesses by Divine Help, and God has truly been taking us through the book of Acts. And uh, today we have our banner shown there, which uh, the, 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 the highlighted uh, part of the banner in every week tells us the one we are focusing on. That means we have had a series of about five topics before this. This is the sixth of a series of nine topics in this uh, missional journey through the book of Acts. And uh, we started with looking at unity in the body of Christ, how it empowered the disciples, how they performed strategically, and how the calling to serve, particularly using, particularly using the life of Paul, was very significant. And also the life of Peter, called to serve, but also called to serve in a different level when God opened his eyes in Acts chapter 10 to see that the Gentiles were also part of those to be reached. And in Acts chapter 13 to 15, we looked at greater works, the empowerment for greater works. We saw that the apostles could do much more in terms of their spread, and as God enable them through that time. Last week, like I said earlier on, Pastor Cephas took us through the uh, divine connections, the importance and the empowerment by divine connections. And we say that in life, it is important that you allow God to connect you to the people that you need to be connected to. Lives never remain the same when those, God who, when those whom God has orchestrated to work together in a certain phase of life come together. Life takes a new turn. My life changed on May the 7th, 1992, when I set my eyes for the first time on my wife. My life changed. Everything about me changed. And it is so, in, it is so important to say how much the life of somebody can be impacted by someone that God has ordained from the foundation of the earth to connect you to. And uh, I met Pastor Cephas for the first time sometime, I think it was November-ish, 2000. I can't remember the exact date, but it was November 2000, thereabouts in a church in Wolverhampton, and uh, we never remained the same ever since then. We've had cause to have different assignments over time, but here we are, almost 18 years later, still doing the work of the ministry. There are people God has put in your life, and people God will be putting in your life, that you must locate, not mechanically, but allowing God to lead you to them and them to you. And I want to pray that God will continue to help us to, be lo to locate and to be located by the right people in the name of Jesus. There's a guy called Gutmann Gadi. He lives in Germany. I cannot be standing before you today if not for Gutmann. Gutmann. I never forget Gutmann. I met Gutmann just for a few days in the year 1999, and he gave me just three words of counsel that helped me to see how God was going to help me move from what he told me in late 1998 to come to pass by the year 2000. God told me he would take me out of my home country in Nigeria to minister his word in a unique way, and I never knew how that was going to be. I didn't even, uh, I didn't have a clue uh, how it was, what it meant. 
and I was trying everything I could try normally is it to apply for a job in Germany, in England, wherever I was. I just knew I had to go out of my country. But it was Gutmann Gadi that told me that this is what you ought to do. He said, you go for further studies, and then that would be the way you go. And that since you already have a postgraduate degree, that you should seek to do a PhD. I was a qualified engineer, just young, upcoming, and I felt that was good enough for me. I didn't have any plans to do a doctorate degree at all. I felt that was for the academicians. Some of the academicians. <laughs> so, but I didn't know that that was the way God wanted me to make my move. And so Goodman told me, go for a scholarship. And I went for one, and by the grace of God, the rest is history. And I, I must tell you, that singular encounter is why I'm standing here today. And so I want you to know that when God puts you in a place, puts you in a church, puts you in the life of somebody or puts somebody in your life, make sure that you are looking for those divine sensitive moments that God has orchestrated so that everything he has ordained ahead of time can come to pass. And it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. And so we're moving another level into the empowerment by, uh, into the Empower to be Witnesses series on the topic today I call Grace of Ordered Steps. Grace of Ordered Steps. We're going to go through a very, very wistful of Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 20, and Acts chapter 21, who, which are the three main chapters we want to concentrate on this morning. And it's going to be very brief, so I would really encourage you to do a good study of your own on those three chapters of the Bible. Praise the Lord. But we start with our key scripture today, as usual, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is where everything is uh, uh, based. And let's read together just to remind us what the scriptures say. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, let's go. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want us to remember this all the time because this is the primary purpose of Christians. Christianity is not a call to become a part of a cult or a sect that are called Christians and that's it. It is a call to be witnesses. It is a call to be people who will take a message that they have received and take it to the uttermost ends of the earth ultimately. And so this is very important for us. In Psalm 37 verse 23, it was read earlier on in the, in the verse when the ministers of God in worship were about to let, lead us in the ministration. In Psalm 37, 23, let's read that together. The Bible says what? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. The good man there is not a man that is, you know, that you like his face. He's talking about the righteous. He's talking about a righteous person. That in fact, there's some translation says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Now, this is very important. Why am I bringing out this emphasis today as we go through Acts 19, 20, and 21? I want us to see the importance of ordered steps, the grace of ordered steps. When you walk in the place God sends you to, and you do according to the things that God has commanded of you, there is a grace that you draw. In fact, many graces that you draw. And these enable you to be the person God wants you to be. Many people are frustrated in life today because they are in the wrong places. They are in the wrong places doing the wrong things. Or they are in the right places doing the wrong things. Or they are in the wrong places doing the right things. 
you need to be in the right place, doing the right thing, and then there is a way that you draw grace to yourself. And may God continue to help us to understand these things in the name of Jesus. So as we study, as we continue to progress through this uh, study, the Lord is exposing to us matters that are very significant in helping us to be those witnesses. Life is about, the Christian life is about you being a witness and being that witness effectively. God's ability to make all grace abound is unquestionable. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 tells us very simply, I read this scripture a lot in this place, because the day I found it, I found so many things. First, I found that God is able, and then secondly, I found that graces are many. Let's read it together. Let's read together, one, two, go. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for what every good work so you will have an abundance for the work that you have been called to do you will have an abundance for every good work which is about the witnesses that god has called us to be the bible says god is able that's the first thing the ability of god to release grace is unquestionable we cannot doubt it. It is settled. It is guaranteed. God is able. The ability of God is undeniable. It's unstoppable. God is able to make all grace. That means that there are different graces. Grace is what we call your merited favor, the enabling power of God for us to perform. I always tell you, anytime you think about the grace, anytime you think about the word grace, always think about enablement. Grace, enablement. Something that comes from on high that enables you to do what God has called you to do. And the Bible says it is all grace. So we need to know how to draw that grace. The problem of accessing grace is not of God. It is with us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. You don't need to turn to it, but you can note it. The Bible says, let us therefore approach what? The tr throne of grace with boldness. So if we don't approach or we are not bold, we don't draw the grace. The Bible says, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace so that we may find grace and obtain mercy to help us in time of need. So I have and you have a responsibility to approach the throne of grace boldly. So we will now examine just by looking at aspects of Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 20, and Acts chapter 21. Some of these graces that was made available to Paul and the brethren so that we see how it helped them to serve God and we can see how it can also help us to serve God. At the locations that God had ordained. In the terms of their being, having ordered steps. The first one we want to look at is what I call the grace for supernatural intervention. Somebody say grace, grace. for supernatural interventions. There is something about God that you need and I need. In our work as witnesses, we must... Learn how to enjoy supernatural interventions, what we can at times call divine intervention. You need it every time. 
you are on a journey, I'm on a journey, but what helps us in many cases to be able to overcome the challenges that come our way is this divine intervention or supernatural intervention. So Acts chapter 19, we read that from verse 21, where we read in our text. For those of you who are listening to the audio or watching the video, we read Acts chapter 19 from verse 21 to 41 in our scriptural reading. So if you want to read it, it helps you to understand particularly this point. But before I go into that, John 3, 8 tells us, which you can note as well, that as the wind blows where no one understands or listeth, the King James Version says, it says, so is he who is born of the Spirit. So is the person who is born of the Spirit. The way the Word of God works in the life of a believer is such that it makes your life unpredictable. It makes your life in such a way that it is impossible for man and uh, the devil to actually predict what God is able to do in your life and in my life per time. So these supernatural interventions is what we need to make our lives such. Look at how it happened in some ways in the life of Paul. Let's start from verse 21. I'll just pick a few verses because of our time. Verse 21. When these things were accomplished, Paul proposed in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. Verse 22. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him. Who were they? Timothy and Erastus. But he himself did what? Stayed in Asia for a time. Because there was a purpose for that, as we will soon see. Verse 23. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. Verse 24, the Bible says, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. And we know what happened here. Paul was preaching, and Paul was getting people saved, and people were leaving this goddess called Diana, who was being promoted by Demetrius. Demetrius was... A businessman, very commercially inclined. And he saw that the business was threatened. Because the more the people did not follow those idols, the less the sales. It's very simple. And so Demetrius gathered all the people who were fellow occupation with him. People who also made those goddesses. He called them together and said, look, this guy is going to spoil our business. Basically, my paraphrase. He's going to spoil our business and we must not allow him to do so. And he, he, he was covert about it because he tried to say that it was, he was trying to defend Diana, who was the prince, uh, the goddess of Asia, worshipped throughout the province of Asia. But the key thing was that he was so worried and concerned that his business was threatened. And I want us to understand that, that every time we are witnessing and every time we are doing what God has called us to do, there is always something of the devil that is threatened. That is why in the family you belong, your extended family, and in the, the place you work, and in the places that you are connected to people, you will always find that every attempt of yours to manifest the light and transform a life comes with one resistance or the other. Somebody somehow will be used by the devil, could be used by the devil to attempt to frustrate that effort because the devil is always on the loose when people are being saved. So he can use whatever. He used Demetrius in this case because Demetrius was business-minded, as I said, and the, devils made, the devil made him see how his business was going to be affected. 
when we were up in Poland early on in last week now, uh, Monday, Tuesday, we were about and seeing some of the historical sites. Obviously, one of the most uh, significant things to see in the country is uh, to, to follow through some of the crimes committed by the Nazis in the 40s, particularly from 1940 to 1945. And um, uh, the, 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 the tour guide, we were very curious to see how Hitler could mobilize millions of people. How could one man mobilize millions of people to do this kind of evil? And then the tour guide made us to see that for, for, for months and for years, he kept on selling to them something that appealed to them. He kept on making them see that these people were the ones taking their jobs. These people were the ones taking their, their livelihoods. They were not able to work. They were not able to buy. They were not able to do things and live comfortably because of the Jews. And the more he sold that, the more the people began to hate the Jews. So it took a process of mind uh, control to get to a point where everybody could rouse with him and obviously join him to commit such atrocities uh, of monumental proportions. So Demetrius was not, Hitler was not the first person to do such a thing, in a way. We've seen examples in the persons of Demetrius and so many others who just look at what would be sensitive in the heart of a person uh, or a people and use that against. There are many people on social media today who are using their poverty and using the things, the social problems of the world of today to discourage people from the things of God. People are using the, the tool of social media and the reach that that platform can give to perpetuate all evils against the church today because the church is making the strides of the end time that will bring about a conversion of billions of people at a time because Christ is coming back for a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle. The devil knows that the church is winning but the devil also knows that the age-old trick of controlling the minds of men with their greed and their appetites is still as potent as it has ever been. Demetrius could never have had people follow him if all he told them was that Diana was being threatened. People would say, well, that's fine. But the moment he said, your business is going to be affected, everybody said, wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. The moment he reached their business, they saw, wow, we've got, to, we've got to fight this thing. Hallelujah. I'm making this emphasis today because it is the same trick. The devil is not having a problem with as many who want to play it cool. But any time the body of Christ is about to make some social progress, some uh, uh, progress of, of, of serious dimension, he goes through the social cycles to try to discourage people. He knows that the economics and the economies of the world today is hard and harsh on people. People are losing jobs. Businesses are not thriving as usual. Interest rate in our country has just gone up. And things are happening that makes inflation go up and so on and so forth. So there is an economic crunch, whichever nation you want to mention. There is an economic crunch to certain degrees. And so he's using that power to appeal to the hearts of people across the world today to see how they, they should see the church in some instances, as their enemy. And so people are even afraid to commit their monies to church projects or to church as they ought to. People are afraid to do the things that they used to do, that used to be fundamental to the Christian faith, simply because the devil is convincing more and more people. I just use that as an example. There are so many other things. And so this thing, I am saying it now because we must understand that whatever level we are called to be witnesses, 
the devil will continue to find ways. But we thank God for divine intervention. Somebody say, thank God for divine intervention. When they brought them into the temple and they were about to deal with them, the Bible says in verse 35, that, and when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there that does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and the image which fell down from Zeus? He said, this is something that we know. So why are we making it an issue? Verse 36, he said, therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. Now, this was a clerk. This was a clerk of the city. Somebody God had positioned at that point in time. When we were reading last week, when Pastor Cephas was teaching us, he touched on the, the person uh, of Galileo, who was used also to disperse a crowd that was about to lynch Paul. So many times we see God raise people. There was a man called Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5. Gamaliel was the first person to be used. The, 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 the great teacher of the Pharisees was the first person to be used to get the people to get their minds disabused of this saints that were propagating the gospel gamaliel told them that why are you worrying yourself it is of god if it is of god it will stand if it is not of god then it would it would obviously fail and he gave them two examples of people who did things that were not of god and how they failed so there are people that god would always set up at every point in time and things that god will always set up to bring divine intervention there are people located in your offices, in your schools, in your colleges, and wherever you function, that God has placed there. You may not know them. They don't carry a placard. They don't carry a banner and say, I'm the one that God has sent. Because many times they don't even know. They have no idea what they're doing. But something moves them to act for you. And I decree that they will keep acting for you. I say they will keep acting on your behalf. In the mighty name of Jesus. Because God put you in that place to make you a shining light. And so you must shine your light and you will shine your light in the name of Jesus. The city clerk quieted the people. The city clerk quieted the people. Look at what he said in verse 40. He said, for we are, go to verse 40, thank you. For we are in danger of being called in question today's uproar. There being no reason which we may give account for this disorderly gathering. And verse 41, let's read verse 41 together. Look at what he did. The apostles had nothing to do. Paul did not say anything, but look at what the man did. Let's read together. And when he had said these things, he did what? He dismissed the assembly. And that was the end of that matter. And there are examples like this all over the place. Why am I making this emphasis, friends? I want you to know, the Bible says, to, when God spoke to Jehoshaphat, he said, you go ahead, but you will not need to fight in this battle. We are in a battle. We are in a warfare. But we have a God who is constantly fighting for us. That is why I have no any doubt. I have no iota of doubt. As a sent person by God's privilege, no iota of doubt that God is fighting for me 24-7. He is fighting for this assignment 24-7. My own is to keep praying and lead the brethren in praying and to keep raising the brethren in the word of God and the way of God and then go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go and rest. Because there is a God who orchestrates a lot of power and a lot of defense on your behalf that not even the biggest forces of darkness will ever be able to resist. And that God will keep acting for you in the name of Jesus. Look at Psalm 40 verse 2. 
The Bible says he also brought me up out of a horrible pit. A horrible pit out of the merry clay. And he set my feet upon what? A rock. He set my feet upon a rock. That is Psalm 40 verse 2. He said, and he established my steps. My God will establish your steps. He will keep bringing you out of a horrible pit. In the name of Jesus. The pit is not the place that is the ultimate. Even if you find yourself in it, like Joseph found himself in a pit at some point. The same God who is alive today, who has not changed, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, will bring you out of every horrible pit. In the name of Jesus. The, the Bible says, he also brought me out. He will bring you out also. In the mighty name of Jesus. You know what the Mary clay is? It's what we call quicksand in our day and age. It is this kind of sand that you, it, it looks innocent. But the moment you step in it, it pulls you down. It starts to suck you in and suck you in and suck you in. We call it quicksand. And it, it is very prominent in many deserts and places where there are sands like that. But I want you to know that the Bible says God can bring you out of it. There are some problems like that. It just starts with one problem. And before you know it, the next day it has grown to two, to three, to four. That is the merry clay. The devil is quick in bringing such things the ways of believers. But the Bible says God will keep bringing us out of every horrible pit. He will keep bringing us out of every merry clay. In the name of Jesus they gathered up against Paul. Demetrius mobilized the whole merchants of that goddess Diana, the, the people who were making the idols. He mobilized them all. They thought that that would be enough to destroy these great servants of God. But God used the city clerk just to disperse the crowd. My God will use anyone that he needs to use, even in your favor, in the name of Jesus. Very quickly, we go to Acts chapter 20. Here, I want us to see... The grace for exemplary leadership and supernatural supply. What was the first grace? The grace for supernatural intervention. The next grace we want to see is from Acts 20, which is the grace for what? Exemplary leadership and supernatural supplies. I want us to know that God has called us to be leaders. Every one of us, the Bible says that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. God has called every one of us to be leaders. And we must understand that what God wants from us is to be exemplary. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 from verse 17. Let's read verse 17. It said, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And he began to tell them. Verse 18, let's read together. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Verse 19. It says, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Verse 20. It says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. Verse 21 testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Christ. Hallelujah. This is very important. Then go to verse 27. He's saying to them that this is, this is my work. My work is to tell you about the repentance and for you all as 
elders of the church to continue to preach that to others as well. Verse 27, let's see. He said, for I have not shown to declare to you what? The whole counsel of God. The church of today must not desist from declaring the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God includes the work of purity. It includes the work of walking in his power. It includes the work of walking in the purpose and the mandates by which God has called us. And it includes the word of prosperity. Regardless of whatever the devil wants to make of the word of God. It is the whole counsel of God. It is God's will that we be a people who are shining the light and a people who are declaring the whole counsel of God at every point in time. Hallelujah. Look at what he said, verse 28. He said, therefore, let's read this. This is very important. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you what? Overseers. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Obviously, he was talking to leaders, but as I say, this applies to every believer. Verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And he even went on to say in verse 30 and verse 31 that even some of the people who were listening to him then could be used of the devil. What that means to us is that we must realize that the work of the devil is to continue to attempt to pollute the true word of liberty, the true word of freedom, the true word of deliverance that God has already made available in Mount Zion. He said, Paul called them savage wolves. Savage wolves are still raging today. As I said, in many cases today, one of the easiest places to reach the minds of people is on social media platforms. And you will see all manner of things being written and being said against the church. These are the savage wolves that the Bible has warned us against through this great servant of his in the person of Apostle Paul. He said we should take heed. We should be very careful what we hear. There are people who no longer go to churches today simply because they have been told. Because they heard from the savage wolves that what is the need of the church? If I have Christ in my heart, why do I need to belong to a local church? There are people today who no longer believe in speaking in tongues because there are savage wolves who have told them that it was something that belonged to the apostles of old. There are people today who no longer walk in love and forgiveness because savage wolves have told them that they need to be for themselves. They need to love themselves before they love anybody else. There are people today who no longer go to places that they ought to go in evangelism and reaching out because there are savage wolves who have told them that it was something that was for the believers of old. There are people today who no longer pray because savage wolves have told them that prayer is only for those who are faithless and that once you are saved, you are forever saved and you can live the way you like. There are people today who are living carelessly, who don't care how they live, no standard, no moral standard at all, no spirituality at all because some savage wolves have told them that once you are saved, you are forever saved. There are people today who no longer pay tithes, give offerings to church because savage wolves have told them that it is not of God, that it is to prosper those who are leading churches. There are people today who are doing all kinds of things or have stopped doing the right things simply because they did not take heed to savage wolves who have come in among them and are not sparing the flock. May God continue to deliver us from them all in the name of Jesus. Verse 32, Paul now said, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, 
which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. May God continue to cause you to enjoy your own inheritance. I say you will enjoy your own inheritance in the name of Jesus. This is what the grace for supernatural, for exemplary leadership is all about. The ability to understand that God has called you to make your life an example and to stay true to the call, refusing polluting words, refusing demonic influences and fending off the things that the enemy is trying to bring to scatter the sheep in the body of Christ. It also gives us the grace, that, also, that grace also has with it, as I said, the grace for supernatural supplies. Every child of God is entitled to supernatural supplies. Paul said, yes, verse 34, let's read verse 34 together. He said, yes, you yourself know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. Verse 35, he said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The reason why the devil does not want many people to be givers, either givers to the things of God or givers to other people today, is simply because there is a blessing that is tied to giving that the devil is trying to rob people of. Paul said, you all know that I have shown you in every way that if you labor the way I labor, if you walk the way I walk, you must be able to support the weak. There are less privileged people and those who need your help and my help that if we do not position ourselves to be exemplary in leadership and also allow the supernatural supplies of God, we will not be able to do the work. When God called me to do this work, I said to him, I said, Lord, you know, you have given me good things to do. And I am very grateful. I am a grateful man. You have really blessed me. I thank you. And he said, this is not about that. This is an assignment. This is not a job for you. It is an assignment. And I understood from that day, from my little knowledge of education, that when you set assignment for students, you have a solution. And ever since that day that I said yes to the Lord, November 2012, that I said yes to the Lord, the heavens opened, supernatural supplies from places I never imagined, from ways I never imagined, favors of favors upon favors, business opportunities, things that I, I, I cannot explain till today as I stand in front of you. Because there is a God who always responds to as many who are willing to step out and obey him. As many who are willing to step out and commit to the things he's calling them to do. That God will meet you at the point of your need. In the name of Jesus. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will continue to walk with you. I say God will continue to walk with you. God will continue to work for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Just let everything about covetousness be taken out of your life. Covetousness is desiring so strongly what you do not have to the extent at to which you are prepared to do anything to have it. That's covetousness. Covetousness doesn't just mean you desire a good thing. It's good to desire a good thing. But when that desire is not placed in God and is not allowed to be ministered to by God, then it becomes covetousness. A lot of people are covetous today. A lot of the problems that people have today is covetousness. People get into all kinds of debt and all kinds of things because of covetousness. Who told you that if your neighbor changes your, their car, you have to change your own? Who told you? If you are listening, I'm not talking to you here. I'm talking to those who are from there. <laughs> but who told you? But it happens. 
People say they change their car because their neighbors change their cars. I mean, ridiculous things. But if God says so for you, why not? Enjoy your life. If God puts you in that position to do so, let it be. There are things that will happen in your life that God himself will make you see that it has only happened by his mighty hand. I pray that you will function in that realm of grace in the name of Jesus. Stay and be content with the things that you have because they are blessed by God. I said they are blessed by God and God will continue to take you higher and further in the name of Jesus. The Bible makes us to understand that we must continue to boldly say, the Lord is our helper, verse 6. He says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord will continue to be your helper. In the name of Jesus. Finally, I want to just touch on Acts 21 very briefly. And I want to mention the grace for tenacity of purpose in the face of opposition. Grace for tenacity of purpose. In the, in the face of opposition. What is our first grace in Acts 19? Supernatural intervention. The second one in Acts 20? Grace for exemplary leadership and supernatural supplies. The third one now is grace for tenacity of purpose in the face of opposition. Hallelujah. Tenacity of purpose means ability to keep hanging on. Believers, we need that ability to keep hanging on. There are storms of life that will keep hitting us and keep making it difficult and keep threatening our foundation and our essence. We must know how to keep hanging on. This is what Paul demonstrated to us, mostly in Acts 21. He got to Caesarea in the house of Philip. I want you to note that in uh, chapter verse 1 to verse 9. We're going to skip it. But something I found very interesting was that in the house of Philip, they called him Philip the Evangelist in verse 9, that he had four daughters, and they were all prophesying. It was very beautiful. Philip was just one of those who was ordained as deacons in Acts chapter 6. We read about him. He went to, to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. But look at him now with four daughters who were also ministers, prophets. My God will cause you and your children to serve God. I say you and your generations to come will serve God in the name of Jesus. But from verse 10, the Bible says they stayed there many days. And then Agabus came. Agabus was a very, very revered prophet among them. He took Paul's clothes and bound his hand and feet with it. I said this is what will become the hand of the person who has these clothes. And the people were worried. But look at verse 13. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ask your neighbor, are you ready? ready? What did they say? They didn't, they didn't say anything. <laughs> say, be ready. Now tell them, be ready. <laughs> because whether you are ready or not, say, whether you are ready or not, persecutions will come. But be ready. Hallelujah. That is not to scare anybody. But the Bible says, Paul said, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die. You know one thing I have found about the devil? The moment you say to the devil, I am ready to die for God, he leaves you alone. <laughs> because that is the worst he can do to you. The moment he says, I am ready to die for God, he will just go and find somebody who is still afraid of dying. <laughs> 
the day Esther said, if I perish, I pray. Ah, devil said, <laughs> look at it now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, throw us inside the fire. And if, if we die, he said, our God will rescue us. And even if he does not, the devil left them alone. Go check all the scripture. The moment you say, I am ready to die for God. Believe me, I don't know why many believers are afraid to say so. Because are you... <laughs> People are afraid to say, I'm ready to die. Because you don't know what will happen after you die. If you know what happens after you die, you will not be afraid to die. <laughs> if you truly believe that heaven exists. When we were young, we used to listen to a song by one of these musicians, a reggae musician, I think he's dead now, Peter Tosh. He said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. That was the first time I heard such a phrase. I said, this is true. Many people say, Lord, heaven, heaven. But when they say death, they say, I know, not <laughs> So what do you want? <laughs> the Bible says, Paul said, I am ready not only to, what is binding? Binding is just prison now. They bind you, put you in prison. He said, even I am ready to die at Jerusalem for what? The name of the Lord Jesus. And then they left him. You see, a man who does not commit his life to that extent will continue to be the target of the enemy the way he likes. There are certain ways you can threaten the devil with your utterances and your belief system that believe you me, even when he comes, he knows he's wasting his time. The Bible says Paul said, I'm ready also to die. And I want you to know that Paul's life, I'm going to end on that because of our time. Paul's life was very exemplary in this regard his life was shown as dead many times one physically in acts 14 they stoned him they thought he had died but he didn't die other times that they would have taken him to lynch him we saw people like the clerk we read about in acts 19 come through for him and delivered him and there are examples like that when we pray and say we shall not die but live we don't end the prayer there but we say to declare the works of the Lord. The reason why Christians pray for longevity is not so that they can keep living like Methuselah. It is so that they can continue to make an impact. There, is, there are lives tied to your life now. So you need to remain alive for their sake. That's what Paul said. He said, I am alive for your sake. If not, I have seen the third heavens. I have seen what it's like to go from here. But I am alive for your sake because there is still work to do. So friends, I want you to know that God has kept you alive this far, not just because he wants you to grow old and then they say you died in a ripe old age, but because every day of your life there are still so many opportunities for you to make impact. And I decree that God will keep helping you to make that impact in the mighty name of Jesus. Everywhere the sole of your feet shall tread upon, the Lord will keep giving you victory there in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to rise to your feet this morning. And let us talk to God about the things we are talking about.